Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello, fellow nerds and other honorable listeners and viewers. We're lucky to have a special guest today, Franklin Taggart. Franklin is special for a number of reasons, but there's something you should know about him. He's the person who suggested I host a podcast. Yes, he's the person who got me launched down this whole path of podcasting a little while ago, and you know how he did that? He asked me a simple question. How do you like to interact with people the most? And I said, well, I like to have conversations with people. You know, I love to have coffee and go out and do that kind of thing. And he said, well, you should host a podcast. That's all about having conversations with people. And so I did. And I started hosting a show, Real Life Lessons, on another uh, podcast called Women League Radio. And this was about a year ago. And uh, now I have my own podcast, Reinventing Nerds. And Franklin hosts his own podcast, too. It's called The Reset Podcast. And he has a very interesting career, but I'd, lo- I'd like to let him tell you all about it. <laughs> yeah, all right. The, the other thing, though, the first question I think I have, though, is on whether Franklin is really a nerd, because the jury is still out, right? And I'm going to let, let our viewers and listeners decide, because Franklin certainly acts like one, because from what I know of him, he's always has new software going, and he's playing on his computer all the time, and he even calls himself a Jedi. But he also, he missed the entire Star Wars trilogy in theaters. Now, it's not because he's a millennial and just wasn't born yet. He has no excuse there. I'm not sure what his excuse is. But all right. So liking Star Wars is not a nerd qualifier, I know. There are plenty of nerds who don't like Star Wars. They're going to say, oh, that's just too pop, right? Oh, it wasn't about not liking it. I love it. Oh, right. I I think I was too much of a nerd to even understand how cool it was back then, you know? Okay, so that is the question. That's my opening question. Are you a nerd or not? Yeah, tell us. Well, can you tell me the parameters that you're using for your ah, definition? That is it. That was the question. You know, I mean, what is a nerd? Now we're getting deep. So maybe you can you can uh, help me with that. What do you think? I just yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, I I'm a nerd that doesn't look like a nerd. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up in small town Wyoming, and you know, in small town Wyoming, there are about three things that matter. One of them at the top of the list is sports. Uh, the second thing that matters is maybe rodeo. Um, the <laughs> third thing that matters is who are you in a relationship with? Even at a young age, that's the question. Wow. So the thing that's really interesting is like I was the kid that was kind of the odd one out because I liked to sit in my house and read. Mm-hmm. I didn't like outdoor stuff as much. Well, I, I did a little bit, but you know. It's like I was the weirdo because I didn't like sports and I didn't like, you know, the the girl of the day or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always the little bookworm and uh, I always loved to, you know, if I went anywhere, I usually had three or four books with me. I used okay, to go- what kind of books? What were you reading? Well, everything. Um, I like, um, I've always liked uh, biographies. That's that's been one of my favorite uh, genres to read. So I read a lot of biographies. My grandmother was a school teacher, 
And um, she had a closet full of books from her classroom after she retired. And I would go into that closet and just pick handfuls of books and, and read them over and over and over again. Um, I loved uh, true stories. Um, like um, there was one, um, one story that I read when I was really young that is still a favorite to this day. And it was called The White Indian Boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's out of print now. You can still find it on Kindle. Um, but it was about a, a young boy who had gotten kidnapped by the Shoshone Indians and uh, then was actually adopted by the chief's uh, wife. And it was a great story. So I just, you know, true true life stories really intrigued me. And uh, I read probably every Beverly Cleary book that was ever written. And then um, when I finally discovered really cool things like Tolkien and um, Watership Down was another one that I totally absorbed. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was a huge S.E. Hinton fan when I was in middle school and high school, um, like The Outsiders. And that was then, this is now, and all of those really cool books that she wrote. And what's really cool now is I follow her on Twitter. She's oh, awesome. Is, yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, I have always been a nonfiction fan. In fact, if you look at my list now, it's all nonfiction. It's like, how does slot A fit in tab B? (laughs) 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 How to run a business in your bathtub and all kinds of stuff. So I just like, I've always been a reader and I've always been kind of odd that way in terms of the circles of people that I hung out with. They were all athletes and they were all, you know, very active outdoor people, hunters and fishermen and stuff like that. So uh, I'm more of a closet nerd, I guess. Okay. But you're also a musician. That's another aspect oh, yeah. here. So you, I said that you had a very interesting career. So tell us a little bit about what you've done over the years, maybe a sprinkling of, of your career. Well, my resume reads like a train wreck. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I am... 100% unemployable, but I, I still manage. Um, I've been a musician since 1979. I, I got my first guitar in 1976, and I started getting paid to play music when I was still in high school. Um, so I'll be celebrating my 40th year of music performance next year. Um, I'm excited about you know music, and music was really what I call my first love. It was the first thing uh, that I ever found as an expressive voice that was, you know, completely mine. Um, I had to beg for a guitar. My parents wouldn't get me one because I'd already reneged on the piano and the trumpet. Yeah. Um, but when I got a guitar, I just couldn't put it down, and I played it every day. And for me, that was the that was the easiest way to be a social person was to be involved in music. That was how I found a lot of my friends, um, and so. I I think that that's probably been the longest term relationship I've had in my life, other than with my immediate family members. Um, But the thing that's really interesting is like my music, uh, my music tastes are all over the map and um, I'm not settled into one genre. I think I'm probably when I, when I write music, it's more country oriented and folk oriented just because I don't have a voice that fits any other <laughs> genre. But um, 
I think the thing that I have been more affected by in music is the technology. Um, I've loved things like recording that my sisters still laugh and there's a, there's a cassette tape running around our family that was recorded when I was about seven years old, me singing at the top of my lungs. And my dad had this little Sony tape recorder and I, I ripped it off and took it in my room and started, <laughs> started making, you know, making records for people. And, uh, I, I love to play with, uh, it, it used to be if you had two cassette players, you could bounce one to the other and you could make like multi-track recordings that way. And I remember, um, I was in a band when I was in high school and college and we recorded our demo bouncing back and forth between two cassette players. Cause I knew how to do that. <laughs> and so it was like the music tech was always the thing that fascinated me. And it still does. I get, I get excited about like new programs that are coming down the pike and all that you can do. Gosh, when, when computers came around and you were able to then start recording on computers and you could basically replace um, all of the equipment in a recording studio with a, you know, $2,500 computer. It was like, man, this is the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of uh, in a nutshell, but as a musician, I've had hundreds of day jobs and they've run the gamut from, um, I, I worked in a group home in college for boys who were in trouble and I was the director of a gang intervention program in Indiana for a few years. Um, I did conflict resolution um, curriculum for domestic violence shelters and schools and community programs. Um, I was a crisis intervention uh, counselor in a crisis center. Um, I finally, I got courage <laughs> when I was about 30 something and I moved to Nashville because that was the dream that I had carried for a number of years was to move to Nashville and become a real hit songwriter or something like that. And I got down there and I went completely broke. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad place to do that though, right? Yeah. But that was the beginning of me really kind of finding my way into the music business full time. So for, for several years I was touring and uh, I recorded a CD in 2001 and um, moved to the DC area where there was a real thriving folk scene and uh, would drive up and down the East coast and perform in different places up and down the coast uh, in your old territory around Boston. I, I played at club Passim uh, near uh, Harvard square. And um, so it's, you know, it's been a long, strange trip. That's all I have to say about it. It's like my, my employment history and my bank account both reflect a, a, a significant level of chaos. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I'm keeping track of all this people interactions and the communications as you've been doing these different jobs. And, mm -hmm. you know, you say that, you know, you really were, I don't know, a bookworm growing up. You weren't interacting as much. So how did you go from one to the other? And you said you've also been, you're mm -hmm. expressing yourself to others, communicating through your music, but geez, you know, crisis counselor, mm -hmm. uh, gang, you know, intervention. I mean, wow, those require a lot of communicating, uh, you know, kind of skills. And uh, so tell us about how you learn to develop those. I think reading is, is a big launch pad for that because I could communicate 
uh, with words very easily. I'm very comfortable writing and I'm somewhat comfortable speaking in front of a crowd. Um, I took speech in high school. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever join the forensics team or anything like that, but I won an award for, for extemporaneous speech. I could talk about anything kind of, you know, at the spur of the moment. Um, what's really funny is like when I took the Myers-Briggs, I, I scored 100% introvert. There's no extroversion point uh, for me to find on a Myers-Briggs test. <laughs> but, but people are really surprised by that because I seem kind of outgoing. And part of it is that I'm just interested in people. Um, but I was very awkward socially up until I started performing in music. And um, that really was like just being thrown into the fire. I had to figure out what to say when I was in front of a crowd. I couldn't just sit up there and play my songs. Well, I could have, but it wouldn't have, would have been a boring show. And um, so I think that's probably when I really started to develop the, the in front of people communicating skills that I had. Um, I've always enjoyed conversations. I've always enjoyed one-to-one conversations a lot. So that's probably where I have the most, um, the most ease in communicating and in conflict resolution. That's where most of the action actually happens. It's in one-to-one conversations. So I was pretty, I was pretty geared for that. And, um, I liked solving problems. Uh, that's, and that's still something that I enjoy. Well, one of the things I've heard from you in this is that you're a good listener, right? You like to listen, you're interested in people. So conflict resolution, you need to be able to hear what the other person needs and yeah. what they're looking for. So, and, and the crisis counseling as well. I mean, in a lot of this, you're listening. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like something you had all the time and the interest too, right? You know, I think I've been a good listener for a long time. That's something that if I talk to people that remember me from high school, that's what they remember about me is that they always like talking with me because I listen so well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's been around for, for a long time for me. I think the probably the, the most challenging piece of communication for me is figuring out what to say when I'm asked a question. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to pound him on you right now. <laughs> well, what's really funny is my wife and I go back and forth and she's a, she's a total extrovert mm-hmm. and her line when I come home or whenever, you know, she comes home at the end of the day, her line is tell me a story. Mm-hmm. And that just throws me for a complete loop because it's like a lot of craps happened today and I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, if you, if you ask me to, if you ask me to say stuff, it takes me a while to organize my thoughts and really figure out what to say. I'm I'm, gl- I'm so glad that you did a pre-interview because I kind of knew what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I might challenge you on that. I think you're really good on this one. You got the, the word after all for extemporaneous speaking. So at least yeah. you know how to give something out there. We won't know what it's called, I'm you know, but good BS man. But that's also a long way to go. I mean, so you went from being a good listener to being able to speak on stage, which usually is terrifying for people. And I mean, another little hidden gem here is that you were a DJ for a while too, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you got the radio voice. So you really learned how to talk as well. I mean, I don't know. I think on stage, at least the people are sitting there in front of you, you can see them, but on the radio, there's like nobody there. So 
how, yeah, how did you go from listening to be able to just speaking? Well, I, I think a big part of it was that, um, you know, when you're in, when you're a DJ, there's always something to talk about. There's always the music that you're playing, or if you have a guest in the studio, it's easy to talk about them. As long as I don't have to talk about myself, I'm pretty good. I, I can handle that. Okay. Um, and as long as there's a context, it's really easy to come up with things to say. Um, if I don't have a context, I'm lost for forever. <laughs> but if you give me a context, like a really good question, or um, if you give me a context, like something uh, to talk about, like a specific song or a genre of music that I like, or mm -hmm. you know, my favorite movie or my favorite book, it's really easy then for me to, to come up with things to say, but if you just like, give me a blank page, I'm going to stare at it. You know, I don't know what to, I don't know what to start with, but if I can come up with a context, it's very easy then to communicate. Well, that makes sense, especially on the radio. I mean, you know, if you're talking about the type of music or the songs or the artists, yeah, there's a lot to say. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, the way I met you, Franklin was uh, because you run a workshop called audience. Yeah. Right. And so that's all about connecting with your audience. And uh, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about that and how you came to do that. Well, the audience workshop is a, is a workshop that, that I started about two years ago, maybe almost three years ago now. And what, what was happening is I work with a lot of artists as a coach. Um, artists generally are really good at what they do, but the thing that they're most uncomfortable with is promoting their work or selling their work. Marketing is a foreign language to them. And <laughs> yeah, I work with authors too. And, and that's how we got introduced. Our friend David introduced us and um, he had attended actually the first audience workshop course that I did. And what I say is that it's a workshop for, for people who are business shy. It's for people who really don't like you know, the business side of their creativity. Um, but they still have to make a living. And so the audience workshop just teaches a simple framework. Like I said, it's a context. If there's a framework to work with, um, it's a little bit easier than to, you know, fill in the blanks and create some kind of meaningful communication. And so we talk in the, the audience workshop about how to reach people, how to connect with them authentically. Um, how to create some kind of inspiration, like helping them to envision a new possibility. And then we talk about how to create a compelling invitation and how to follow through and deliver um, a meaningful and valuable experience that they're not going to forget. That's right. about it. It's, um, it's a very simple framework. And when we work through it, um, it makes a big difference for people. So when they're successful, what does that look like? And, and when they fail, how, how, where does that come up for them? Well, that's an interesting question um, because one of the things that we do talk about is that um, in this process, the failure is really just not trying. Everything else is learning. And for most of the people that, that do it, they, they jump right in and are able to you know, use the information and they're able to use the framework very easily in what they do. Um, so I don't see failure as anything except for not even trying off the bat. It's like, if you, if you don't try, that's failure. If you try and learn from it, that's a lesson. That's all good stuff. And I encourage that. And I, 
Um, I want people to do that because that's the only way that they're really going to find what, you know, what their own voice sounds like. It's the only way that they're really going to find a process that works for them. Um, the framework's not foolproof and it really has to be something that people adapt for themselves. Well, I want to ask you one thing, cause you talk a lot about being sort of this creative person and, mm-hmm. um, and also working with creative people who don't mm-hmm. want to do the business side. But I mean, just in general, uh, creativity. I mean, I think about how do you get somebody who's really creative to be able to communicate with others? Because often like the meaning of creativity is sort of new and different, right? New, mm-hmm. Unique ways of doing things. You think about the creative people, there are artists who have new and different art or geniuses who have new and different ways of uh, inventing things, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yet the hardest part I think is the barrier between their thought process and the other people's thought processes. So where do you, you know, get your inspiration? How do you do that? Well, that's a good question. I think the, the first thing that I would say to that is the biggest challenge for artists in particular, and some authors is being visible um, because most of them don't really, or they're not comfortable in the public eye. And that's one of the reasons that they've chosen the path that they've chosen. It's like they're very uncomfortable being in front of people. They're very, they're very uncomfortable. You know, they feel very exposed when they're in, in front of a group or when they're communicating about their work. So the, the first step is to find a level of visibility that's comfortable. So one of the things that I encourage people to do is what we really what we really want you to do is to find a place where it might be a little bit of a stretch, but it's not diving off the diving board into the deep end. Um, so for one person, um, I've got a client who's a, a brilliant artist. She's extraordinarily talented, but she's also very, very shy. And so she's got a studio that's full of magnificent work that nobody's ever seen. And so one of the ways that we've tried to get her around that shyness is to use online tools like video Mm -hmm. and to do like demonstration videos of her creating one of her pieces. She doesn't have to talk. She doesn't have to do anything. She just has to create and she has to put it out where people can see it. And then the other piece of it is that we have worked with her to get comfortable in sending out messages to people that say, I've created a video about my latest piece. I'd love you to take a look. Uh, let me know what you think, you know? And so that was her comfort level. We were able to get her comfortable with that. And that has helped her to reach a whole new circle of people um, through YouTube. So that's the first step is to find a level of visibility that you can be comfortable with. Yeah, that's great. You know, there. I'm sure there are listeners here who want to take that step with you. So can you tell us how we get in touch with you if we want to either hire you as a coach, take one of your workshops or all the different ways? Yeah. Well, I'll tell, I'll, I'll say this. The audience workshop right now is in a reconfiguration phase. It's going to be available again, but it's going to be an online based uh, program. I've done it primarily live before and I'm going to switch it over and make it an online based program. Uh, so that I can just reach some more people with it. Um, there will be some online coursework that will be in, involved with it now, and then there will be some weekly workshops that happen. That's not available yet, but if you'd like to be you know, notified when it's available, um, 
I'll put a sign-up sheet on my website. My website's franklintaggart.com, and it's just as much a train wreck as my resume is. (laughs) 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 There's a couple dozen blog posts, and there's like maybe a couple of old music videos or something like that. But franklintaggart.com is where I have all of my clearinghouse uh, information. Um, and there's some freebies up there. A couple of, there's a course on, uh, easy social media strategy and a little free course on how to, uh, create slideshow videos for things like Facebook video and YouTube. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And then I also, I did a podcasting, uh, presentation the other day and I've made all of the slides and handouts from that available on my website as well. So um, there are a few freebies and I'm going to be doing a lot more freebies as I go. Um, One of the programs that I'm working on is an online based program called $25 coaching. Um, I've got so many different um, things that people traditionally ask me for in the context of coaching. I'm tired of repeating myself. So I'm creating um, courses that people can take that will walk them through processes help them get, you know, clarity as to what their new direction is going to be, help them figure out some career path changes and things like that. That's all going to be included in $25 coaching. And then um, I do a lot of work with, like in your case, um, I work with people who are getting ready to start things like podcasts and blogs and online based uh, content marketing. Um, I help them to create programs and strategies that, uh, to help them get it off the ground easily and quickly. Oh, excellent. And yeah, if you missed it, you can get Franklin's contact information on the show notes for reinventingnerds.com too. But Franklin Taggart, you can see it written up here. And uh, yeah, that's great. I have, I have one last question for you, Franklin, before we're going to have to wrap up. Okay. And let's see. I, the question is, Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. <laughs> <laughs> something that's true and nobody agrees with me on. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, you said you could talk about anything. So I'm like pushing you to the limits here. <laughs> well, the first thing is that I don't believe that truth is propositional. Oh. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so uh, if you've got anything to say about that, we can have a good argument. Okay. Well, that's, that. yeah, I think that you would have a good argument with a lot of people, right? I expect yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, yeah, go on. Um, I, I'm sure that I could find a lot of arguments about, you know, pop culture and trends because I, I tend to not care much about them. And if you have any kind of investment in an opinion one way or the other, I'm sure that I would be able to uh, knock you down a pin or two. On that. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, the, the glove is <laughs> put down. <laughs> so, Taylor Swift is not a country artist. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I expect that's probably the going to be the number one source of comments right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah. Um, oh, good. Yeah, this is good. This is like how we should actually kick off the podcast here and get, go down that path. <laughs> I thought we'd end it on a nice, interesting, like, all right, if you want more, <laughs> you know where to go. <laughs> if you open with that, Joni, you're going to have very short episodes. <laughs> <laughs> People aren't going to want to talk to you. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, this has been a lot of fun, Franklin. I really, yeah. I love having you on the show. And I love what you've done to just describe this process of, of creating and moving through your levels of communication to other yeah. people and, and also just showing what you do best. I mean, it sounds like, you know, being there behind a microphone is certainly one of your sweet spots. I can tell. Yeah, and I love it. It's um, these kinds of conver conversations are the things that I live for. I just think that they're wonderful. And um, I'm just thrilled and excited beyond belief that you're started to, that you've started your own podcast. <laughs> Thanks. And I'm your number one fan. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's <laughs> and not a creepy way. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the rest of the listeners can invite more so we can get a good following here yeah and, um, okay well you can go to reinventingnerds.com to get more on franklin i'm going to have lots of good show notes and and on uh the show today and and on him himself so um that's it and thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe oh yes good idea thank you we hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.